Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome.
I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we appreciate the Lord for this opportunity that he has granted to us just to come once again uh, have a fellowship around the revealed weight. Now, we appreciate everything that the Lord has been doing for us. We will never ever cease to express our gratitude to the Almighty God. Now, without waste of time, let us just go to the reading of the weight. Or before we get there, I want to speak about scriptural conflict resolution. Scriptural conflict resolution. Now, even before I get to read the scripture, we know that wherever there are there is more than one person, inevitably there will be a conflict. Uh, no marriage is immune from conflict. No friendship is immune from conflict. No church is immune from conflict. Uh, no community is immune from conflict. Even a nation, no nation is immune from conflict. Even workplaces are characterized by conflict. So in every arena of life, inevitably, there is going to be a conflict. But we want to look at how to scripturally resolve a conflict. Uh, uh, maybe let's just uh, bow our heads firstly. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for the time that you have granted to us to come and speak on this very subject, to help us, dear God, so that we can be of great help to your children, dear God. May your inspiration, dear God, just come and guide us as we unpack this subject. Be gracious to us. We pray for every brother and every sister, dear God, even those that may not be well. We are sending healing their way in the name of Jesus Christ. As we commit everything to you, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let's just turn to our scripture reading here in the book of Matthew 18. Matthew 18 from verse 15 to 17. Matthew 18 from 15 to 17, it reads in this manner. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every weight may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen, man and a, a publican. I think the Lord Jesus Christ gave us this template of how to resolve a conflict because he was conscious that conflict is going to be inevitable. We are going to have conflicts. 
We are going to trespass against one another. And he was providing a guideline that in the event or in the eventuality of a conflict, this is the guideline that we must adhere to. That is why I just want to unpack it and speak on scriptural conflict resolution. Now, even before I get to speak about this, now, I think one of the most dangerous things that one would ever do is to avoid a conflict. If a conflict, because the Lord never said we must avoid a conflict. He said we must confront a conflict and see and see it to its uh, logical conclusion or to its resolution. Uh, but we live during a time where people avoid conflict and somewhat they believe that a conflict will resolve itself. But we have come to learn that an unresolved conflict will breed other conflicts. And if it is in the home, it can lead to the separation of the family. If it is in the church, it can destroy the health the status of that church. If it is in the nation, the nation may go to war. So an un, a conflict that is avoided in, uh, consequently will lead to more problems. Now, in the book of James 4, from verse 1 to verse 3, James, from chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, it reads in this manner. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your last, that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your last. Now, I want to get to the translated version here of James 4. He simply says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You Aldatara's people. Now, this is what uh, James was speaking about, but I'm saying I'm on scriptural conflict resolution. That's what I want to, to speak on here. Now, what is a conflict? A conflict is a disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one. So it is an argument, a protracted disagreement or argument. That's what a conflict is. And conflicts can be uh, uh, classified or can be broken into four categories. There is a conflict 
with self. And this is something that we'll speak about one day. There are people that are at war with themselves. When you are at war with yourself, you do not have peace at all. And there is conflict with others, and this is what I'm going to look at. And there is conflict with the environment, and there is conflict with the supernatural. We know that there is a constant conflict between the flesh and the supernatural. Now, it is quite amazing that although it, these conflicts can be broken into four categories, but one thing that we have come to know is that even a conflict with oneself can breed conflict with other people. Some people cannot get along with other people because they can't get along with themselves. Now, you can't give what you do not have. If you do not have peace, you can't give peace. If you do not have love, you can't give love. So before you can be at peace with other people, you've got to be at peace with yourself. Now, now, now when you, whenever you've got conflict, if, if, if an underlying feeling of that conflict is love, it is going to push the people that are in conflict to, uh, to work towards a resolution. If, if an underlying feeling to conflict is love, it is going to push those people that are in conflict towards a resolution. If the underlying feeling is, of, of that conflict is hatred, it is going to lead to separation. So whenever conflict emerges, it depends what are the underlying feelings prior to that conflict. If it was genuine love, they will work towards a resolution. If it was hatred, inevitably it will lead to a separation. So whenever there is a conflict, there are two options to a conflict either resolution or separation. But what determines whether it will be resolution or separation, it depends on what the underlying feeling is. If it is hatred, it's resolution. If it is, if it is love, it's resolution. If it is hatred, it's separation. Now, we'll get to speak about this. Now, I said if it is hatred, it leads to separation. Now, the tragedy that we have, and today we don't speak about denominations, we speak about uh, ourselves because we have to look into the mirror. And as we look into the mirror, we have to uh, interrogate ourselves. Those days that we just blasted denominations are over. We have to look at ourselves as the members of the bride or as message believers. Now, it is amazing that today many or 95% of conflicts in our cycles lead to separation. Now, already I said if it leads to separation, it tells you that the underlying thing is hatred. Now, 
Let me explain. There are certain conflicts that should never be resolved. A conflict between the weight and error can never be resolved. A conflict between a believer and unbeliever can never be resolved because these people operate in different worlds and are led by different spirits and are guided by different principles. So it is futile to try to reconcile somebody uh, the weight and error. So the haters of the cross can never be reconciled to the lovers of the cross. So when I speak about a conflict, I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to where we still believe in the same thing. We still pray to the same God. We still believe the same message. That is what I'm speaking about. I'm not speaking about in a sense where people have opted to believe in strange things that contradicted the way. There, the Bible says, how can two work together unless they agree? So there is a conflict that is scripturally approved. And whenever the weight collides with the error, we believers take sides with the weight. And we will never have, have sleepless nights trying to reconcile with the error. So I'm trying to contextualize what I'm speaking about. But here I'm speaking about people that believe the same thing, believe the same prophet, led by the same spirit, uh, and I put that in inverted commas, uh, believe the same message, the same prophet, uh, sometimes be even in the same church. But you find that uh, most of the time it leads to separation. And a lot of times the underlying feeling there is hatred. Now, Brother Brenham says in this spoken way to hear ye him, paragraph 39. He says, that's what causes separation in families, is the neglect of love. That's what causes separation in churches, neglect of love. We've got to have love. Now, the prophet tells you that the reason we are not able to resolve conflicts, be it in families and be it in churches, and the reason inevitably such conflicts lead to separation many a times is because there is a neglect of love. There is that bond that is created by love. It is not there. No wonder the prophet came and said, I've been to that place and what it will take to enter that place will be divine love. And many a times, I've seen that divine love is one thing that is under attack, especially in the end time. That is why the scripture says, because of iniquity, iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall go cold. And we are beginning to see those things. Now, but we are speaking about this so that we, are, we can be able to speak about these things and not only speak about them, but we can be able to do something about them. Now, God is love, and the devil is hatred. So if you hate your brother and hate your sister, uh, no matter what you profess to be, it is not the spirit of God. It is the spirit of Satan. Now, 
The prophet in the message church order, paragraph 9-0, he says, if you can disagree with a man and things and then shake his hand and still have the same feelings towards him, then there is something wrong with you, oh brother. If I can disagree with a man bitterly from one side to the other, and still think as much of him as Christ would, then there is something wrong with my spirit. I haven't the spirit of Christ. See, now, this is where every message believer must ask themselves, because this is the essay test. Uh, the people that you have disagreed with, and there is nothing wrong with disagreeing, as long as we are here, we're going to disagree in families. We're going to disagree in churches. We're going to disagree as friends. Disagreement is inevitable. And obviously, uh, conflict is sometimes people that are able to handle conflict. When they come out of that conflict, they come off more, much stronger many a times. Now, I don't like to avoid conflict. I believe that if there is a matter or if there is a bone of contention, that matter have, has to be put on the table and has to be handled because a conflict that is confronted will never lead to gossip because you know once gossip is there, then it, makes the, it, it pollutes the entire stream. So when you are a believer, the first and foremost thing that you owe to yourself and owe it to your fellow believers, you must never be afraid of conflict. You must never be able, you must never be afraid to disagree and make your disagreement known to the people that you disagree with. So that when you do that, you will never be hypocrite. You will sleep at night. And everyone would know, uh, as they often say, what you see is what you get. They will know that when you say yes, it is yes. As the Bible says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. So you have to have the backbone to make it known where you stand on issues. Now, as much as we say disagreement is not bad and is inevitable, but how disagreements are handled, handled will determine whether are we the children of God or we are not the children of God or we are guided by the spirit of God or we are guided by the spirit of Satan. But the moment you disagree with your brother and you cannot shake hands with him with the same feelings that you had towards him, then the problem is no longer with your brother, but now the problem is with you. Now, how many times, especially in the message, where we have disagreed with people, but whenever we meet or interact with those people, our feelings towards them have changed. We don't think as much of them as Christ would think. And the prophet says, wrong as they may be, but sometimes a change of feelings, it is a reflection that we as well are equally wrong. I'm saying 
you cannot avoid disagreements. Disagreements are going to be there. But you have to check that the disagreements, as they emerge, they don't pollute your soul as a believer. And as I say, I encourage that when you disagree, you have to make it known that you disagree and people have to persuade you on the disagreement. And if they cannot persuade you, you've got to agree to disagree. It is as fair as it is. But after you agree to disagree, but you must never have ill feelings towards those people. Now, oh, brethren, a lot of times, many, many, when it comes to this quotation, have felt miserably. My advice to you, from time to time, the people that you have disagreed with, take some time and check if you can. I'm talking about those that are still saving. I'm talking about those that are still claiming to believe as much as you believe. I'm not talking about the people that will undermine and ridicule your faith. I'm not referring to that. Because when you insult my God, we can't be friends. Not at all. But here I'm talking about somebody that still claims to believe as you believe. I'm talking about somebody that still claims to, to follow the God that you are following. Now, if you have disagreed with people, from time to time, just uh, are you, are you, will you be able to speak to the people that you have disagreed with? If needs be, can you pick up a call and speak to them? And if the answer is no, I've got, I've got uh, sad news for you. There is something wrong with your spirit. Yes, you are beginning to say, this is what they have done to me. This is what they have spoken about me. I, I'm not interested in what they have said. The righteous shall die for the unrighteous. Have you got the ability to engage the people that you have disagreed with? Uh, and if the answer is no, when you meet those people, do you look the other way to avoid them? If you do that, you have a wrong spirit. I don't care whether you pay, pray three times. I don't care whether you file three days. I don't care whether you are a preacher. I don't care whether you are a pastor or a deacon, whatever you may be. If you cannot be able to shake hands with the people that you have disagreed with, with the same feelings that you had towards them before the disagreement, there is something, there is something wrong with your spirit. Ah, this one, I will not move quickly on it. This is where we, especially message believers, feel dismally. Because we walk around with grudges. And those grudges have created complexes. And that those complexes have made the Spirit of God not to work in an unhindered manner among ourselves. A lot of times the reason you keep grudges is because you are not able to follow what Jesus said in Matthew 18, where you are confrontational. If somebody has wronged you and has trespassed against you, have you ever gone to them directly and told them that, look, you have wronged me? Many a times we do not follow that. We rather go to the next person 
and try to convince the other person how these people have wronged us. And when we do that, we are not following the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, things to avoid during conflict resolution. Gossip. Number one that we must avoid is gossip. I, in my life, because whenever I disagree with any person in my life, I have never, and I've always avoided to speak to a person and say, look, people say, I have never adopted that phrase in my engagement with people. Whenever I disagree with an individual, I'll say, I, I take a personal responsibility by using a personal pronoun. I disagree with you on this matter. Because the moment you say, people say, which people? And when have you spoken to those people about this individual? So you have to avoid gossip. The second thing that must be avoided at all costs, name calling. Yes, we have had instances where people disagreed in the message and had the audacity to call one another the serpent seed while yet they still believe in the same prophet. That is the spirit of Satan. This one I will say it slowly. That is the spirit of Satan. I've seen ministers disagreeing and going behind the pulpit to blast one another. That is very, very immature. When you disagree with somebody, you avoid gossip. You avoid name-calling, and you avoid a refusal to talk. There are some people that will refuse. I will not talk to that person. That shows that you're not a child of God. When a child of God has got a problem with a brother or a sister that have trespassed against them, they don't gossip about them. They don't resort to name-calling. They don't resort to refusal to talk they go and sit down with them because to them, despite the disagreement, this is my brother, this is my sister, I want to spend eternity with this individual. But we don't see that because a lot of times people are no longer led by the Spirit of God as much as they may claim to be led by the Spirit of God. They are led by the Spirit of Satan. Requirements for successful resolution Open and honest communication. Don't say people say, say, you have hurt me. This is what you have done. And this is how I feel about it. Be direct to an individual that you are speaking about. Take ownership of how you feel in the midst of that conflict. And you can take somebody like a pastor or a deacon and take a third party that will be there and that will be neutral. And when you are there, stick to an issue that, is, that needs resolution. I have seen many times where you attempted to help two parties to resolve a conflict, and there is just a, 
a myriad of things that are on the table, this and that, this, and ultimately you end up not knowing what is the bone of contention. You've got to have a clarity of thought to say, this is what is the offense, and this is how I feel in relation to the offense. And when there is an open and honest communication and the presence of a third party in some instances and sticking to the issue at hand, you are bound to win your brother and win your sister. Now, according to Matthew 18, there are three stages of conflict resolution. The first point, the wrong party, wrong party, should approach the offender. This is where I've seen cowards, even in our cycles. A coward will never confront an offender. They tiptoe around the offender and fake smiles and go and gossip about the offender to the other parties. The moment you have done that, you have broken a scriptural protocol towards a conflict resolution. And there is no way that you are assisted by Christ because Christ never sanctioned the process that you would be embarking on. Friends, we have to have the boldness. We have to have the backbone to confront one another directly. If you wronged me, I must be able to call you aside. Brother, you have done one, two, three. And this has hurt me. And I don't feel right. I'm here as your brother to tell you how I feel so that Satan may not take advantage of this. You go to the offender. But what causes gossip in our cycles is because we are cowards. And I'm going to get into the quotations where I'm going to speak about the spirit of cowardness that we see, especially in the end time. The second stage, if the offender is unrepentant, then the wronged party must bring two or three witnesses. You see, you don't just go to those witnesses and just, and just vent out, this is what he has done, this, and seek for sympathy. You say, my brother, my brethren, this is what my brother has done to me. I have spoken to him. You don't go, you don't jump the stage. I have spoken to him and he is still unrepentant. Therefore, I'm seeking assistance that let us go to him, the three or the two of us, and try to persuade him. And you take them there and you sit down there and speak with a clarity of thought in terms of what the offense is. And if he's still unrepentant, then if the offender does not mend their ways, then the matter should be brought before the church. And after it has been brought before the church, the prophet speaks about the, the offender being granted to 30 days. If they don't resolve that within 30 days, then we are excommunicated. This is the scriptural conflict resolution process that was put by the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to submit that because of the spirit of hypocrisy, 
because of the spirit of being coward, a lot of times this is avoided. People rather go on social media, on WhatsApp, on phone calls, and gossip. When you do that, you are not guided by the Spirit of God. You are guided by the Spirit of Satan. Now, listen to what the prophet says in the message, Why are we not a denomination? Paragraph 196. He says, if a man is in the wrong, go, go to him and be reconciled. If you can't be reconciled, take somebody with you. No matter what God, no, no wonder God can discipline his church because you are not doing it right. Oh, folks, we are not doing it right. Instead of getting on the phone and talking about this one, what took place, little cults and so forth around that, instead of doing that, why don't you do what the Bible says? If some brother has been overtaken in fault, go to him and see if you can get him reconciled with him. Well, now he did me. I don't care what he did. You go to him anyhow. He didn't say for him to come to you. You go to him. If he is wrong, you say, well, he was in the wrong. He ought to come to me. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said for you to go to him. If he is wrong, you go to him. Many times we say he is wrong. He must come to me. That's pride. The scripture says when you are wronged, you the wronged party, as much as you are bleeding, you have to go to the party that offended you and state your matter. Ah, this one, brethren, I've seen it being avoided many times in the message of the hour. And the reason we have church to church, churches not talking to each other, the reason we have families not talking to each other, it is because we are not doing the right thing. And what is guiding us? The spirit of being coward and a lot of times pride. The prophet continues. In the message, same message, why are we not a denomination? Paragraph 201. It says, it unto the men. 90% of the time is the devil got between the people. Oh, Satan. And I will show you how Satan can even manipulate the temperaments of the people. people the devil can manipulate things to get in between the people. But if my brothers are fighting, folks, I, I refuse. I refuse many times to take sides. I refuse. Yes, if a party is wrong, I will be able to tell the party that is wrong that the party you are wrong. And we are not able to correct one another anymore in the message because we hero worship one another. You can never correct anyone that you hero worship. Prophet says 90% of the time is the devil God between the people and unto the people is the devil. And as long as you let the devil doing that, you are harming your brother. That's right. Well, something is wrong with Liu and I, 
Let's go make it up. And if you see there is something, it's your duty to come to us and say, both of you boys come here and get together. We're going to straighten this thing up. Now then, if he comes to here, there, and they come to find out, and here we are, I say, well, first thing, if we can agree, then we come to the church like that. Now, Brother Brenham says, if he and Leo are disagreeing over something, and you observe that, you have to say to them, boys, come here and let's get together and straighten this matter. Folks, if anyone ever comes to you and says, somebody wronged me, if you are a responsible Christian, the first thing you say, hang on, let's get to that individual so that we seek together and I help you to reconcile. If you do things in such a manner as a Christian, you're going to be a Christian that has got dignity. You're not going to be a dustbin, a trash bin of issues. If you tell me that your brother has wronged you, what are your expectations of? What must I do about it? If you expect me to do nothing about it, then don't tell me about it. Because if you tell me my expectation is that you trust my judgment, you trust my maturity, that I'll be able to call a brother or a sister and yourself and we sit down and straighten this thing out. Because we know that 90% of the time, it is the devil that may have come in between the two of you. And by doing, we are preserving your integrity as the children of God. We are preserving your integrity as message believers. But many a times, this is being avoided. And that is why gossip thrives in our cycles, because we lack the boldness to confront issues. Same message, why are we not a denomination? Paragraph 203. But then as long as you don't do that about it, though the blood of Jesus Christ protects us both, but then that old cancer will start another cancer. And that cancer will start another cancer. And the whole thing will be sick all over the whole church. Then you get to a place, you come into church, and just as cold, you will have to be the genitor, come break the eye circles out for the congregation can get in. Now you know that's right. Cold. Somebody sat around, you know, and just don't say nothing. Well, we used to be so spiritual. Well, what happened? You did run well. What was the matter? See, your sin separates you, and God will hold you responsible for it, brethren. Now I'll straighten this thing up. So the prophet says when a conflict is avoided, that conflict breeds cancer, and that cancer leads to another cancer. Before you know it, the whole church is polluted. That is why in the church we cannot allow cliques. No, sir. We don't take sides. We are one body. We are one family. If there is a matter that must be resolved, we put it on the table. And to a certain extent, even I as a pastor, my responsibility is that if there is a conflict between me and a certain individual, the pulpit is not a place to resolve issues. The pulpit is not a place to, to uh, settle the scores. But if they are advancing the error, 
We are still following the same protocol where we confront them one-on-one, where we take two brothers and say, brother, you are advancing error. If they are repentant, we bring it before the church and give them a grace period. If they still advance the error, then we excommunicate them. But the whole process must be transparent. A lot of times, even ministers I've seen in the message where they are afraid to sit down with a person one-on-one, but behind the pulpit, then they display bully pulpit tactics. That is not the spirit of Christ, pastor. That is not the spirit of Christ, preacher. That is not the spirit of Christ, my brother. When we have issues, we sit around the table and straighten matters. And brethren, even before I carry on, in life, never ever lose the ability to say, I am sorry. No matter who you are, no matter what you are ranked, no matter how many years, no matter what you experience, you must always have the ability to say, I am sorry. If you have come to a point where you can never say, I am sorry, you have been overtaken by pride, you have been overtaken by Satan, and it can only lead to destruction. Same message. Why are we not a denomination? I wonder why these quotations are coming from why are we not a denomination? And this explains why we are not a denomination. Paragraph 195. It says now, you, we can tell you, we can tell you why we take communion. We tell you why we take feet washing, why we won't let the members take it if we know they are in sin. Yes, we've got a scriptural right to stop you in your tracks when you try to participate in communion and feet washing if you're not living right. That's why these last two or three weeks I've been going from one member to the other, where you have been having your little fusses around to. This is at Brenham Tabernacle, folks. Going around, one wouldn't speak to the other. How can people worship God and claim to be filled with the Spirit of God and not talk to each other? No, say. One wouldn't speak to the other and pass one another on the road and turn your Hate, shame on you. Who has took the blessed cup of God across this, the altar here, and called you brothers and sisters, then get on a telephone and get off about one another. You are not fit to be called Christians when you are that way. Right. You keep off them telephones. If you can't talk good about somebody, don't talk at all. Remember, God is going to hold you responsible. As long as that kind of spirit is in you, you know you are not right with God. I appreciate somebody when they are wrong or feel wrong to pick up the call and call the individual that the matter relates to and say, brother, sister, let us come together and sit around the table. We've got matters to straighten up so that we shame the devil. Not to phone the others. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. No, say. When you do that, 
Brother Brim says you are not fitted to be Christian. When you come to church, but you are not able to talk to each other, that means you are not fit to be Christians. Folks, sometimes we've got to, we have got to let go of pride. That's why I say when we are Christians, you must have the ability to say, I am sorry. In the book of Philippians 4, verse 2 to 3, Paul says, I beseech Eudias and beseech Santashi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. These two sisters were in the same church. You know, certain things you see them in the end time, you think that they are new. Uh, Brother Brennan says, a human being dies, but the spirit doesn't die. So, Two sisters in the same God, in the same church, under the same messenger, fellow workers in the ministry, believe in the message of the hour, but not of the same mind, until it got to the messenger, until he had to pen a letter to them and said, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, he's bringing this true yoke fellow to reconcile these two sisters, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Try, don't avoid that conflict. Conflict, You, true yoke elder, come in as a bridge builder. Bring them together because something wrong is going on. You see, there is not even one scripture that says conflict must be avoided. Conflict must be handled head on. Because when we do that, we disarm Satan. Folks, we must never ever lose the ability to have difficult conversations with one another. There's been many times where I had difficult conversations with people that we, that those conversations were unfavorable to me, where I had to say, okay, I'm very sorry. And what does it take to say, what does it take to say I'm sorry? It takes humility to say, yes, I understand your perspective. And when you say I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that you are a fool. It doesn't mean that you, 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 you are a walkover. Sometimes it is a reflection of maturity. Sometimes you look at the bigger picture and say, to win this soul, this is what I need to do as per the scriptures. So these sisters are at loggerheads. And Paul is saying, don't avoid it as a church. You need to get this involved. And these were not, they were not preachers. If sisters that are not preachers in the church can contaminate the environment until Paul says it has to be confronted, how much more about ministers? Three factors of this conflict. Conflict is addressed publicly. Publicly, Paul is not using harsh tones. Paul is putting it out there because he's exposing Satan. He's not exposing the sisters. He is exposing Satan and says, Satan, he is going to over because 90% of the time is Satan. And if it is Satan, he must be exposed. So it is addressed conf- uh, publicly. It is mentioning the individuals that are in conflict. It is not generic. Remember, we say you stick to an issue at hand. And it is involving a third person that must come in to help the sisters. Because this conflict was undermining the tone of Christianity in the area. 
It was undermining the health of the local church. Conflict must never be avoided at all. But look how Paul is using in the, is the same in the same line of thought is addressing conflict. But listen at his prescription. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Verse 4. Verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all me. The Lord is at hand. Be careful of nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Hmm. Paul has mentioned, rejoice. Let your moderation be known at all unto all men. Be careful of nothing. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And finally, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there any be virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He was trying to reset the atmosphere that was contaminated by conflict. There is another conflict. You know, Dr. Luke never avoided writing about conflict. <laughs> In Acts 15, verse 36, the Bible says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas is determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with to take him with them, who departed from them from Pemphylia and went not with them to the way. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Now, let's give you a background to this conflict. I've preached in our assembly about temperaments, and we know that Paul's temperament, he was choleric, and we know that Barnabas was phlegmatic. We know Brother Brenham was melancholic. We know that Paul uh, Peter was sanguine. So it's another subject that we have covered in the past. There is a message on our website temperaments if you would want to make a reference to that. Now, Paul says, John Mark, we took him on a mission. And when we were there, he abandoned us. 
There is no way that we can return on the same mission and take John Mark. Barnabas, the phlegmatic uh, temperament, says, No, but we don't give on up on our brother. We are going with him. It created such a contention was so sharp between them. Now, these are the disciples. They are at loggerheads. So today you want to tell me that if Paul and Barnabas could have a conflict, you want to create a superficial environment that we can never have a conflict. I say wherever there are more than one person, there is bound to be a conflict. But we need the maturity to acknowledge that conflict is inevitable. And when it emerges, how should we resolve a conflict without resorting to name calling, without resorting to refusal to talk, without resorting to gossip? Now, I want to break down the characteristics of this conflict of Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas kept the problem on a personal level. Paul never went out of his way to recruit other brethren against Barnabas, which is what we are prone to do in the end time. Barnabas never went out of his own way and maybe say Paul is a dictator, Paul is unforgiving, and rally around other people. The worst thing that can happen during a conflict is for people to display victimhood and go around looking for sympathizers. It will split the family. It will split the church. And these sermons, I'm not only preaching them to my assembly, I'm preaching for them for the benefit of those people that are able to access this channel as well. Paul and Barnabas kept the problem on a personal level. Brother, it is between you and me. It never involved any other person. Paul did not take, Paul and Barnabas did not take the problem personally. They did not let their disagreement alienate them as friends and as brothers. They realized that we disagree on an issue. We don't disagree on ourselves as persons. How many, how many times have people disagreed, but they elevated their problem on a personal level where they involve other people, where they elevated their problem and made it to be so personal to be about themselves and got attached to the issue until to them it was do or die. Paul and Barnabas saw the matter through to a resolution. They, they didn't die being enemies. They disagreed. But later on, you find Paul praising John Mark, the one that, he ref that Paul refused to take along. It means Barnabas on his way, whenever he went out with John Mark, he didn't say, do you know that your brother Paul didn't want you to come along? Didn't, don't you know brother Paul doesn't believe in you? That was not what Barnabas did. That is why Paul and John Mark later on, they were able to be reconciled until Paul called John Mark as somebody that was profitable to the ministry, even post this sharp contention, the maturity of the early church. And when you contrast that maturity with the immaturity that we see in the end time, it's shocking. 
I saw a very prominent minister. He has scheduled two sessions. He says he's going to speak about another minister, which is part one and part two. We are coming. This man is an old man. He is in a high risk category as far as COVID-19 is concerned. He could have died and been wiped out. But by the grace of God, he survived. The first thing that he wants to do post the lockdown is to dedicate two sermons to attack another minister. That is not how Paul and Barnabas were. Folks, we are seeing immaturity even in the highest levels in the message of the hour. It is embarrassing that some of the things that we message believers do, even unbelievers can never do such things. Even Pentecostal, they fare better on certain things. Yes, I'm saying that because the truth will never make me popular. And when I decided to be the minister of the gospel, I never joined a popularity contest. No, say. And with that minister, I hope that he may reconsider and say, by the grace of God, I buried people in my church because of COVID-19. God granted me time. Maybe I need to relook at my life. Maybe I need to fix certain things. Maybe I need to be sincere now. But he's dedicating two services to another, to attack another minister. What a waste of time and resources. Neither Paul nor Barnabas appear to have been acting out of self-interest or self-will. It was not about their personal interest. They had put their self-interest behind. It was about the, the picture. And as a result of that conflict, that conflict led to the multiplication because John, Mark, and Barnabas were able to cover the other area, and Paul and Silas were able to cover the other area, and later they were reconciled as brethren. Neither Paul nor Barnabas sought to make this a biblical issue in which one was right and the other was wrong. Folks, listen to me here. Many times we want to make personality conflicts to be doctrinal issues and hide behind the superiority or the inferiority of doctrine. I know people that that no longer speaking to each other, but when you check, it's not because they differ doctrinally. Both are still message believers. Both still are following the same prophet. Both claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But it was just a personality clash. But both lack the maturity to say, let's reconcile. Both Barnabas, uh, Paul and Barnabas seem to be acting in accordance with their own spiritual gifts and callings. Both Paul and Barnabas ministered to John Mark by what they did. John Mark learned from Paul that if I work with that man, I'm not going to leave the job half done. John Mark learned through Barnabas that yes, I could be forgiven when I have wrong. Both of them fulfilled two roles in the life of John Mark. There, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, after many months or years after the conflict, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark, bringing, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Brother, I'm posing a challenge to the message people. 
How many times have you ever seen people disagree and the contention is sharp and many years down the line, the very one, somebody calls the very one that they were in contention with or in conflict with and they say they are profitable to the ministry. It is rare. If I quote Shakespeare, I'll say the number is fewer than few. Scarce because of pride and ego. Working towards closing. Now, in the book of John, 3 John chapter 1 verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Dietrophius, who loveth to have the preeminency among, among them. <laughs> there are people that just want to have preeminence among the people, and many times it's pride. Receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. John says there is an individual there that is creating an unpleasant environment for believers. But I will come and I will address his deeds, prating against us with malicious ways and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the chair. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Now, many years back, I will give a personal account or a, a experience. There was one assembly that I knew where there was an elder in that church. This elder would come to church and the song service will start and a preacher will start ministering to us a small church and meet someone, he will stand up and walk out, take his Bible and leave. This man did not do it only for one week or a month or a year. It carried on for quite some time until because I knew about it, I asked a deacon in that church, I said, what are you doing about this individual? Because he's, he's causing disruption and there is, there is an element of arrogancy, an element of undermining the service. Deacon said, ah, we are just observing it. We'll not do anything about it. We are just observing it and committing it to prayer. I said, that's not how to do things. This man has got to be confronted. I said, is it because he's going to work maybe? Uh, could it be the case? No, it's not because he's going to work. No one had any reason why the, why the man was doing what he was doing. But I could not reconcile that these people uh, they, they, they had to bear with that on weekly basis, on monthly basis, on yearly basis. I say it has to be confronted. And needless to say, later on, it was found that the man was not living right. But uh, how many souls were disturbed by that? 
How many times was the Holy Spirit disturbed by that? How many times were preachers disturbed by that? Because people were not afraid to to confront the conflict and say, brother, what you are doing is not right. It's not according to church order. If you know that you are going to come to the service, but are not going to complete it, and it is regular, if it is once off, it is understand, understandable. Maybe you are rushing to it. But if it is weekly, on weekly basis, the whole year, the second year, he has to, he had to, they should have confronted him, but they were afraid. And they thought we will pray about it. There are times to pray, pray about a conflict. But Paul says, well, Jesus says when there is a conflict, we don't pray about it. You go to the brother. You go to the sister and say, this doesn't sit as well with us. Now, here is an individual. Whenever Paul writes letters to, the, to that church, he refuses the letters to be read. When ministers are being sent by John uh, to preach there, he refuses them a pulpit. And if ministers come there and are accommodated by believers in the area, he gets upset with those believers and even throw them out of the church. Now, are we going to avoid such? No, say. John says, when I come, I will remember his deeds. And he mentions the deeds. And he is encouraging the church that this is not right, but I'm coming to correct it. Never ever leave error not being corrected. Yes, it will make you unpopular, but you've got an obligation to correct an error. But many times we hide behind, I will pray about it. There are certain things that we pray about them, but there are times when we don't pray about it, we pray after. We pray and say, Lord, this is what we are going to do. And after we have done it, we pray, Lord, this is what we have done, as per the scriptures. Never. That is why... I refuse, I don't thrive in any environment that is characterized by fear. I fear fear itself. I hate fear from childhood until where I am. Any environment that has got an element of fear, I normally don't last in such an environment. So this man was terrorizing the church of the living God. Must they just pray about it and have all night prayer and fast about it? No, it needed an elder to confront this. So, in closing, there are conflicts that must be confronted. Now, I have a question for you. As a message believer, are there people that you are no longer talking to? Are there people that you are avoiding? What are you going to do about it? You have to go to those people and speak to those people according to Matthew 18. You say they have wronged me. Yes. It never said they must come to you. It said you must go to them. Never ever allow any root of bitterness Brother Bram says, if you cannot shake hands with the man that you have disagreed with, bitterly so, with the same feelings that you had before the disagreement, he says, then there is something wrong with your spirit. And that shows it is not the spirit of Christ. If people have wronged you, you phone everybody else, 
but you don't phone the individual that wronged you, the prophet says you are not fit to be a Christian. If you are a believer, but you are not on speaking terms with another believer, Brother Brim says it is a shame. It shows that you are not fit, both of you, to be Christians. But one of you have got to solo a pride and go and follow Matthew 18. Three stages. You go to an individual. If they are unrepentant, you take somebody else. If they are unrepentant, it comes before the church. If they are unrepentant, then they are excommunicated. But how many times? We hide behind the diplomacy. But while we hide behind the diplomacy, gossip thrives in our midst. Most of us, majority, have got hard feelings to one another because of things that have happened in the past. And that bitterness is there. It's polluting our spiritual stream. And it's about time. If you have a problem with any individual, no matter whether they are rank or experience, bring them around the table. Speak to them directly. I'm not happy about this. And if they continue, bring somebody else. Never, ever avoid conflict. Face conflict. Deal with it directly, but with a good spirit. Yes, it will create a discomfort for so many people, but it will make you sleep peacefully at night, knowing that I am on good terms with anyone. As a principle, I challenge you, there is not even one individual, one individual in the message of the hour that I cannot talk to. No matter the disagreement, I still have a room to call anyone and engage them at any matter that I want to engage them on. Refuse not to be on speaking terms with anyone because when it happens, the spirit of Satan has overtaken. And I'm not saying you need to compromise your principles. I don't say you need to compromise. If it is an error, let them know that it is an error, but I don't hate you. You are still my brother. You are still my sister. I will embrace you as my brother and sister. But here, we disagree. You will be at peace. Let's bow heads as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate everything that you have done for us as believers. The message of the hour, the way to guide us, even on our day-to-day interactions with one another, Give us, dear God, the ability to talk, to engage, and to disempower Satan, and to avoid our environments from being toxic. And the only way that we can do that, we must be able to have difficult conversations with one another. Lord Jesus, I appreciate you that you have left a protocol of resolving conflicts These things we say them to help believers so that they are at all times at peace with one another. As I commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This, if you follow this in your marriage, if you follow this in your church, if you follow this in your life, you will never go wrong. 
you will always be at peace with all people, whether you agree or disagree with them. But above everything, you will be at peace with God and you will be able to sleep at night. God bless you richly until we meet.